on this episode of Comedy Rewind. Was role models the last hurrah for Sean William Scott as a comedic lead? At the other end of the spectrum, was it the coming out party for Paul Rudd as a comedic lead? How much more is this than just another movie with McLovin? All of this and more on Comedy Rewind. 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 Push Rewind. I thought this was a comedy show. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to 8-Bits Comedy Rewind. We are powered by Audio-Technica as we rewatch the great comedies of the 1990s and 2000s. I'm your host, John O'Peck, and joining me, two role models to sweary dads everywhere, Ben Slinger and Trevor Scott. How are you doing? We're doing well. Good. Well, I'm doing well, Ben. Ben, sorry, I shouldn't be speaking for you. Speak for both of us, Trevor. No, we're, we're, we're doing great. How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> the Bitstorm boys, it's good to have you back. It's been a while. It has. I think Clerks 2 was the last time I was on. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. It was a was few episodes ago. Start of this year, I guess. But yeah. Anyway, we're here to talk about Role Models. Another film about a couple of uh, deadbeats, I guess. <laughs> no hope. So. I seem to be sensing a yeah. theme. What, mm. what do you think of us, Jono? <laughs> hey, you guys picked it. What does it what does say about you? <laughs> it's our own self, self-deprecation. <laughs> yeah, of course. So this is a 2008 or in Australia 2009 comedy starring Paul Rudd and Sean William Scott. Quite the duo. Uh, I definitely enjoy these guys together. Uh, my memories of this movie, like I don't have a lot of like very specific memories, but I can think back to who I was when I saw this, and I definitely would have been thinking, "Oh, sweet, another Sean William Scott movie," because they don't come around too often, I guess especially towards the end of the 2000s. His star was probably starting to fade. Uh, I was a big fan of his from, you know, American Pie, Dude, Where's My Car, all the classics, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, this, um, is, this is probably trip. a good 10 years or more past. When was American Pie? 99? 99, yeah. yeah. So nearly 10 years on. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and to be honest, I can't think of many things that he was has done since this movie. Uh, the I've main ones I think of a uh, <laughs> Goon and Goon Two, yeah. Uh, yeah. the hockey I have ones. Seen Goon. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, other than that, even yeah. in Goon, he's kind of playing like a washed-up kind of person, which yeah. is, I think, kind of autobiographical. Maybe yeah, perhaps, that, yeah, but. or at the, at the very least, he's past that. He's past that prime period where he could play these types of characters. Really, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it starts getting a bit creepier <laughs> if you've got yeah. the the forty year you know forty plus year old playing the sort of womanizer. Yes, yeah. I noticed that you both kind of glossed over my my choice, which was Cop Out, oh. <laughs> the Kevin Smith film. I, did, I actually I didn't that. notice you suggest that. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll come uh, back as to did that. Many people down the- love that film. <laughs> <laughs> No, I wouldn't mind rewatching that because I, I I watched it after I actually saw Kevin Smith in was uh, in Milwaukee when I was in the states do like an evening with Kevin Smith and mm. it was just after that movie so I've got some some you know good memories and experiences with that one but anyway we're here to talk about role models <laughs> what do you guys remember about when this movie came out Yeah, I, I kind of like you I don't have any specific memories of it I don't even recall if I saw it in theaters when it came out i feel like it's probably one i would have gone to but i don't recall exactly but definitely once it was out on dvd uh this was also my prime 
DVD collecting period. So I think it got a lot of rewatches in my house at the time. Uh, uh, my main thing would definitely have been oh, awesome another Paul Rudd comedy because yep. uh, a big Paul Rudd fan and have been for some time. Before Ant-Man, you, you were there before it was cool. Before he was cool. Um, Paul Rudd's never not been cool, Trevor. Yeah, exactly. I mean, even in the 1840s when, you know, he was still looking exactly the same as what he is now, um, you know, he was Pal- the epitome. Palling around with Keanu Reeves. Yeah, exactly. Um, I was newly married because uh, I got married in 2008, so came out like the next year. Um, I... Saw it on DVD here. Well, not DVD. I I probably um, either it. had someone bring it over or, or I got it through other means. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I remember seeing it with um, a few a few friends, not not the regular friends group. Like normally, I would have seen this with with Ben and a few other friends. But no, in this case, it was with an, another couple of friends who I'm no longer really friends with. So. It was it was good memories and for the for the time being, <laughs> but um, sort of reminded me that I'd sort of lost contact with a few old friends mm. and maybe wouldn't mind catching up with some of them again. Yeah, maybe you can share this episode and be like, "Hey, remember that time we went to role models? <laughs> remember that time that you came round and you brought role models over and we watched yeah. it and it was <laughs> funny? <laughs> I mean, you, remember those old days? You probably came on a zip drive or something. Isn't that how old we are? Yeah. <laughs> surely, surely not. Surely it couldn't fit on a zip drive. Depends. How, well, it just all depends on the compression. It depends on the quality. I mean, if it was one of those VCD quality, <laughs> you could real, fit them on real media. On real media. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah. <laughs> The other thing that I probably would have thought about this was, oh, it's a, it's another movie with McLovin. It's, mm. it's McLovin mm. d- doing another movie because it was one slash two years after Superbad. Superbad, yep. And yeah, that's that's true. This yeah. would have definitely been probably only the second time most people saw mm. him in anything. And it uh, may have been only the second time people have still seen him in anything, potentially. Potentially, potentially. potentially. Um, yeah, kick ass. Ass. yeah, yeah. Was in kick- the first one. Uh, I think it was one? in the both. Yeah, okay. yeah. I, I think, think it was in both. Mm. Um, and a lot of the Seth Rogen ish, like he's been in a few of the other Seth Rogen films uh, okay. since then. Um, the other film that I saw around this time was Wet Hot American Summer, right? And it was by the same group. Yeah. So yes. David Wayne directed both Wet Hot American Summer and this. Yeah, wh- so what year was Wet Hot American Summer? Two thousand. So it was much, yeah, okay. much earlier. Was like early Ten ones. years earlier. Um, but you had so many, so many uh, actors sharing mm. both. Yeah, well, both I've, films, I've got like, that for for later on for sure. Just the the cast, this mm. group. Uh, I think this probably was one of the earlier because I don't think I'd seen Wet Hot American Summer yet. Um, and they've done a couple of others, but this is probably the first one I've seen by that group. I think they used to be the state, um, was yep. their comedy troupe back uh, yeah. before this. Uh, but yeah, David Wayne, Ken Marino, Jane um, Lynch, uh, Kerry Kenny Silva. Yeah. Jella Drulio. Um, was was yeah. Jane Lynch on, on that series, on that movie, I mean? Uh, no. 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 She wasn't. Yeah. She wasn't. I in, think they started working together a bit later. Summer, but- 
Yeah, because I, I definitely have like sh- she's been on things with Ken Marino, like they were in Party Down, which Party is Down, awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I did see that Paul Rudd was brought in to rework the script for this movie, and yes. Ken Marino also has a writing credit, so I'm guessing that they sat down and, and did that together as you know friends from those wet hot American summer days, and that's definitely. probably how they ended up bringing some of that other crew in as well so yeah it's always cool when especially in the 2000s you do have a lot of um not necessarily like comedy troops but there's these circles of friends yeah we well there's the circles of friends who get who get involved in in yeah, production there's, there's like the Apatow sort of, ones exactly and then, yeah. and then you've on the other side of things you got like the ben stiller jack black will ferrell john c Riley. that's like that's adam a sandler crew. yeah adam sandler's got his own crew yeah, still has. Yeah, <laughs> I think he always will. Yeah, I definitely enjoy that about this film. It, it it really feels like they just had a lot of fun improvising on it and you know just mm. messing around. Uh, and and I think that is a hallmark of this cr- uh, group and those like it, where it's just it's yeah. kind of just friends, you know, enjoying their art. Yeah, and a lot of. Um just improvisers as well like even just looking at the cast in front of me half of these people were in um 40 <laughs> year old virgin as well elizabeth yeah. banks jane lynch paul rudd there's there's probably another person or two so yeah it, it has that apatow feel to it and i think that comes from paul rudd being part of that crew and yeah and having an influence in, in bringing that improvisational spirit to it there's definitely a lot of overlap i think between the sort of Apatow group and the the state group. Especially the early Apatow stuff. Yeah. Late Apatow stuff, not so much, mm. but definitely the early, earlier stuff has a more manic sort of energy to it. Yeah. It, it's, and just let anything go, pretty much. It is a vibe that I, f- I tend to associate with the 2000s, much yep. more than the 90s, for example, seeing where this podcast has come from. Like... Coming into this era, whether it's, you know, Knocked Up, 40-Year-Old Virgin, Forgetting Sarah Marshall, and this movie, like, they all feel like they're in the same universe where the conversations go in those certain Uh, directions that you want. I Love You Man as well as another Paul Rudd one that really... But that's also another David Wayne one, so... Oh, Oh, was it? Okay, I don't think I realised that that was. (laughs) I think he... I don't think he directed it, but he definitely produced Mm. it. So... It's around that same sort of thing. I was looking at, at what David Wayne had done around this around this time, and I Love You Man is one of those films that he was heavily involved mm-hmm. in. Yeah, right. Okay. Which is why that has that same sort of feel to it as well. Mm. Yeah, well, that was definitely another one that that really cemented my enjoyment of of Paul Rudd and his yep. style in these sorts of movies. Like he just. He feels so sort of loosey goosey about the way he read, like his line reads, and he's, that he's obviously just improvising it in a lot of ways, and the way he'll kind of, I don't know, trail off into nonsense sometimes, but just in that in character, in that humorous way. Uh, yeah. Another one that he did, I think, more recently, and it may have been some of the same crew as well, was um, Wanderlust with Jennifer Aniston. Um, wow, I hadn't thought about that film in a long time. <laughs> That's got some great Paul Rudd improvisational yeah. stuff in it. Yeah, really funny. Yeah, so this is kind of 
getting into one of the later categories for me, but um, as I said before, I probably saw this as like a Sean William Scott movie when it came out, but really it's a Paul Rudd movie. And he wasn't, to me, like a big name at that point. He's one of those guys that's in a lot of things, like he was in Anchorman, he was in um, 40 Year Old Virgin. He's, he's been in a lot of great movies from this decade, but not usually as like the lead. Mm. And this was probably one of the first times that at least I remember that happening. I Love You Man was another one. Yeah. And that was when I started to go, yeah, okay, I'm going to remember this guy's name from now on because he's worth remembering. And seeing where he's gone to since this, he's only become more and more famous. Unlike, you know, some other people in this movie who've, their stars kind of fallen a little, he's just ascended and people have realized that he has got that quality that's um relatable kind of every man but he's still really handsome and hilarious yep. and he can kind of do everything mm. yeah well i i don't think and i wouldn't call his his spin in the mcu particularly serious as such but it's definitely a bit more of a dramatic role even though it's mm-hmm. still got the comedy underpinnings there's um, moments for sure yeah. than a lot of stuff i've seen him in uh but yeah, definitely shows he's got he's got that range, and yeah, he's just incredibly likable. Uh, well, it's it's like I saw today because it being uh, Halloween today uh, yesterday, uh, the photo going around. I think it was from a few years now of him and his daughter, and his daughter is dressed up as the Wasp from oh, yeah. the MCU, walking around with her dad, who literally plays Ant Man, and he's dressed up as Weird Al Yankovic. <laughs> <laughs> like and I feel like that just really speaks to him as a person and his comedy style like he doesn't go for the obvious you know yeah well it's like wearing your work uniform isn't it like <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure some people who uh, have a uniform will, will throw together a quick and dirty Halloween costume at times but there you go all right, so film for $28 million, which again, I think that speaks to the, you know, this movie didn't really have a star, like a big name star. Like Sean William Scott was probably the big name star and Paul Rudd there is kind of like the 1B. And neither of them are this huge name, like a Will Ferrell or a Jack Black or anything. So that probably is the way they were able to make it for, a bit, you know, $28 million, which isn't a lot of money for a Hollywood movie. Um, and it made $92 million, which is respectable, but certainly not like a blockbuster. Probably wasn't like top 10 box office of comedies for the year even. I'd be curious about the uh, the DVD sales because I feel like this is one of those mm. slower burn kind of kind of movies that does well on a, at a cult level, particularly coming yeah. out in that, I mean, maybe towards the end of, but uh, that sort of area where DVDs were... Uh, the big thing. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so, Rotten Tomatoes, where do you think this one sits on the scale? Comedies uh, never do well on Rotten Tomatoes. Late 70s. I put it... I, I'll, I'll, go, I'll go 76. All right, I'm going to say... I'm going to avoid the obvious joke and I'm going to say 68. <laughs> 77. Oh, Trevor, just All right, Trevor. That is, that was a damn good guess. Well done. Seventy-seven. Uh, I'm I'm, pr- I'm pretty impressed with that. That's. <laughs> I'm I'm like, this didn't have 
too much in it that could really, you know, backfire. I, yeah. I don't think they could tilt the critics. Mm. In a, Com- in a I just know comedies direction. often don't do well unless they like a sort of real, like at that critically acclaimed level. And I just yeah. didn't remember that for this, but no, it's good. Yeah, it's it's certainly a lot higher than I expected. Oh, maybe not a lot higher, but it's higher than I expected for sure. Mm. I probably would have guessed closer to what you said, Ben. Mm. Um, we did Shaun of the Dead last week, which was like 92% or something. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah. Are you going to do all the Cornado trilogy or...? I will do the ones of the 2000s, which I think there's hot fuzz left to do. Okay. Uh, so you, you, you might get to at World's End like another... Few years down yeah, and you yeah. get down into the, track. the 2010s. We'll see. Yeah, when I when I get <laughs> desperate, I guess when I <laughs> when the well is tapped dry. But uh, that'll, that'll uh, of the eventually. ones that you want to do at least. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, and, but then before that, Super Troopers we we did, and that was like in the 30s or something. So like, wow. yeah. Um, That's Broken Lizard though, and they're very. Like contentious, they're very hidden. They're very hit and miss, and they're very, I think, uh, niche. Yeah, in, in I would, their comedy I would, stylings. I would agree with um, that. Like, I love uh, what they have, like beer the, fest. the the beer beer oh. fest, um, club uh, club dread. Um, oh, what was the what was the waiting ripoff that they did? I haven't seen it, so I can't no. help you. But um, yeah, I mean, yeah. they're certainly, yeah, it does feel more like, like they're going for a cult hit rather than like a mainstream thing. But um, yeah, this movie, and we'll the get slam to and it. salmon. That's what it was. Uh, yeah, sure, sure. But yeah, we'll get to it later. But there's not like, there's not really anything here to turn people off. It doesn't go like deep into slapstick or doesn't go deep into picking on a particular you know minority or anything mm. so I, I feel like for, at least for the time it would have been edgy enough but not pushing the boundaries beyond people's comfort level but but in a way the they they normalized some parts of nerd culture yeah in, in this that uh, really brought some of these ideas to the forefront and, and didn't make fun of it. They actually all embraced it. And I think mm. that's what's... Because they didn't punch down throughout the majority of this film, in fact, they 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 sort of punched each other and, and realised that they had to... They <laughs> literally had to in cases. They yeah. literally, yeah. but... Um, but, you know, it, it was actually showing that these guys are, are like... They're on a path to nowhere. And yeah. I think that's uh, that comes back to why I think the critics were were a yeah, little bit sure. more lenient on it because it actually did have a nice message in the background. Mm. Yeah, let's let's save that for what holds up the best because I, I want to talk about that. That's it's a really good point. Mm-hmm. Um, the number one song when this movie released in Australia of January two thousand and nine is which pop hit. 2009. Love Take Me Down to the Streets. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Wings track, right? Yeah. Uh, I don't know, is you it know like a Taylor, Taylor Swift or something? Do you know uh, the story behind that Wings Yes, song? I do, and I'll be bringing that up. I think we'll get that, that, get to that too. <laughs> <laughs> Which um, is one of the best things in, in the in the whole film. But, um, it, it's not Taylor Swift. No. Not Taylor Swift. Um, okay, 2008, 2009. So, would this be around the time that 
uh, like Lady Gaga poker face. Yes, yes, it is Lady Gaga poker face. Jeez, oh, <laughs> Trevor on a roll this tonight. Guy, wow, this guy's crushing it. Wow. <laughs> I'm I like, believe you got that. I, I started doing ballroom dancing around this time because that's right, I'm a ballroom dance teacher. Um, I started started learning ballroom dancing around this time, and that was one of the hot tracks mm. that was uh, just coming in, and that's what we did one of at one of the first socials. We danced to that track, and it was pretty new at that <laughs> at that time, and that was in 2008. So this is like I'm pretty um, happy with this that. is like Slumdog Millionaire here. It's like <laughs> <laughs> I'll see if I can think of any other questions to throw at you as we go on. But uh, okay, what have you done for me lately, Paul Rudd? Just, uh, you know, obviously he's moved into Ant-Man territory now. So, What If was the Disney series, which I thought was amazing. Um, and yeah, very, Go- very good. Ghostbusters Afterlife, which I haven't seen, but I think that's no, out I, now. No it? one in Australia has seen it because uh. it's not out till uh, New Year's Day. Okay. Yeah. So in the United that. States, it, it's out this month. Yeah, I heard that it was good. But I've heard good things, yeah. yeah. I've heard good things and I'm not going to... I'm not going to watch any trailers or anything like that. No. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. I'm similar. Um, the other thing I'll mention about Paul Rudd, just because I like bringing it up on this podcast, is living with myself or living with yourself. Mm. I, yeah, the Netflix series. The Netflix yeah, series. that's yeah, right. Where yeah. he plays got, against himself. It only got one <laughs> season, but um, I thought that it was really good. So if, I completely um, forgot about that. If yeah. you missed that one in 2019, yeah, it's easy to forget because it was like, you know, eight episodes and then done but it's just um, kind of a little blip yeah just a one but and it was done good and, yeah um there's there's one thing that i i love about paul rudden it's his sense of humor when he's out there um doing like stuff for the for the tv series or for the movies and stuff when he goes on the talk show circuits he always likes to have a lot of fun yeah you know when he's doing stuff with um jimmy fallon it's always always stuff around you know making a new video clip or music video clip or something like that but if he goes on conan he always <laughs> brings the same video clip yeah which is the scene from mac and me and yeah. the, every the single time wheelchair think... falling off the cliff <laughs> <laughs> and you know they just happen to fall for it every yeah. single time and it's one of my favorite things that seeing the reactions yeah. um that conan has every single time that comes up <laughs> <laughs> Except Conan's like retired from TV now, so that gag will have to will have to die, unfortunately. It didn't die when at, at during his final week. You know, Paul Rod came on <laughs> oh, and, and did the gag. Sent again. him off. Sent him off with it. <laughs> Sent him off right. Yeah, there's a great supercut of all the moments that he's he's done that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sean William Scott was in the Lethal Weapon TV series, which I haven't seen, um, but, mm. but apparently it wasn't terrible. And then there was a series, I think a mini series called This Country. I think he plays like a, a reverend or something. So that would be certainly a a, a break from the typical role for him. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christopher Mintz-Plass, who, as we alluded to, hasn't done like a million things since Superbad, but he was recently in Promising Young Woman as mm, that's right. uh, one of the, I guess, male... <laughs> antagonists would you call them I guess yep. yeah I haven't seen that but um, watching the trailer it certainly looks uh, like a again like Sean Williams got a very different kind of role for him uh, Elizabeth Banks she's moved more into like the TV territory she's done a series called Mrs. America she was on Modern Family quite a bit she was in the Charlie's mm-hmm. Angels 
um, re. She was one of she was one of the one of the big producers who brought that back. Right. Yeah. And um, she played Boz, which was previously. She also Bill went into directing role. and writing with um, the Pitch Perfect movies and and that okay. sort of stuff. So uh, she has actually done a, a bit more. Yeah. Um, I mean, and the Hunger Games she, she, movies and stuff, mm, obviously. Yeah. yeah, she 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 had that uh, had that sort of role in in Pitch Perfect, uh, oh, yeah. where she was one of the commentators. But she also had like a behind the scenes, uh, getting that in into production. Mm, um, that's cool. Sort of role. So it's really good to to see her sort of pushing um, for more female driven, yeah, comedies yeah, and and that sort of stuff. Yeah, she's um, she kind of had a bit of a run in the late two thousands as far as getting these types of roles, but um, like from from what you've just said, it sounds like she decided to move on to, I guess, bigger things like l- smaller roles, but bigger things. If that makes mm. sense, but bigger things yeah. in the background, you know, help yeah. helping helping other other female up and comers, yeah, up and comers, which yeah. is very commendable, definitely. Uh, Jane Lynch, who is always hilarious, um, she's in a very new series called Only Murders in the Building, which you may have seen ads for on Disney. It's on Disney. It's actually, I've watched it. It's really, yeah. it's really good. Uh, it I'm looking good. forward to seeing it. We've, if you, my yeah. wife and I just finished Squid Game, and we're like, <laughs> Only Murders in the Building is one of the yeah. one of the next ones that we're going mm. to. Yeah, it's really good. It's good seeing Steve Martin and Martin, Martin Short. Short. Yeah, the Steve Martins. Martin short. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> back together. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, they're a great duo. Yeah. yeah, it's a it's a good series. And then I'll just end with I mean, there's lots of people in this movie, but I'll end with Ken Jeong, who seems to have moved mostly into like animated series mm, voices. Yeah. Hey, he he last... did a series called Doctor Ken that was on for two se- two seasons, <laughs> and he was the lead in that. Um, that was a while ago, it, wasn't it? Oh, 2017, 2018, something like that. Like, yeah, it's twenty. It's almost, it's almost twenty twenty two, man. Come on, get with the times. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Bob's Burgers, the Casa Grandes, Tom and Jerry. He's got a good voice for it, so I can see why um, he's done it. He's also played a character called Mister Chang in a series, which surprised me that uh, they'd go for that that character name. Stereotypical, him, kind of, yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. after Senor Chang. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I will mention that, cause, just because I looked it up, um, David Wayne, who directed this, uh, he did actually direct Wanderlust as well. So if you haven't seen it, watch it. It's worth it. Um, mm-hmm. And and has had a few other movies uh, since then as well, as as well as acting in a, in a bunch of stuff. Yeah. And of course, the... Uh, the Wet Hot American Summer series that they did. Yeah. Love that ago. series. The, yeah. Both both series. <laughs> yeah. First day of camp and 10 yes. years later. <laughs> yes. So good. All right. We're up to the categories now. What's the most 2000s moment of role models, Ben? Nothing, nothing particularly stood out as being very 2000s, except just that, as we've sort of talked about, this was such a ripe time for this sort of comedy that it just it does feel like a movie of that time uh just sort of in the stylings of it uh but yeah i I didn't i don't know maybe i wasn't paying attention enough during the 2000s but it it it, nothing uh, felt particularly sort of anachronistic to that time to me 
What do you have, Trev? Um, I was also thinking styling, but I'm also thinking technology. Yeah, I always so go for that too. That that Jane Lynch scene where she's where she's doing the the back walking <laughs> on, on the video, and then she walks out from behind the CRT TV, is so 2000s technology. And I'm like, oh my god, like <laughs> this is just before things moved into into you know LCD flat panels. I guess so. See, I wouldn't stuff. have I wouldn't have picked up on that because I would have just thought, oh, they just don't have much budget and they're on an old TV. Like, but then Paul Rudd had a flip phone, and so did true. Yes, so did um, Sean William Scott, and it's like. Oh God! You know they don't. They haven't quite moved to the smartphones yet because no one has smartphones at this stage. Like I think I just got an iPhone, and that's because I wanted to, you know, have the latest. It was still somewhat earlier. Three G for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I had a similar thing. Like the technology, but in particular in this movie, the the video games. Like you can see them playing yeah. FIFA on like an Xbox three sixty. I'm thinking that yes, must have been 360 yeah i had the light like the white controllers yeah um there's a reference to whacking it to the sims which i thought you <laughs> yep. wouldn't probably go to that <laughs> joke now but you wouldn't have done it in the 90s as well so it would have to be a 2000s thing um mm-hmm. and just like the fact like i said before that sean william scott is like a lead in this like yeah. it would almost have to be a 2000s when you just see that like you're not gonna assume anything other than that so yeah, there's not anything in the like larger sense other than the improvisational style that makes it 2000s. It could almost, I think this could work now, it could work back then, it could work even older. So mm-hmm. that's um, that's that's all good. Um, most iconic scene. I have the, the big like uh, role-playing battle towards the end of the film. That's like the climax of the movie, but it's also the thing that pops into my head. Because it's it's one of those times where all the characters are on the same page, I guess, and they're all yep. in the same location. So, and and it, you know, it's kind of um, it shows all the character development for everyone. And there's the the big musical moments with uh-huh. the Kiss song as they come out Detroit yep. Rock City. Yeah, so yeah. It, I, I had specifically the gearing up. I had specifically yeah. the gearing up scene before that final yep. battle as just being. Uh, really, and a crescendo is with with them walking in to yeah. the kiss music. And yeah, it's like the, yep. the truck, the monster truck coming up over <laughs> yes. blasting yep. flames. Yeah, it's a minotaur. <laughs> it's, kind, it's kind of a nice um, coming together of of earlier foreshadowing as well. With you know the minotaur at the very beginning of the movie, the conversation about kiss that you kind yep. of don't expect to come back, and then it does come back, and they've got the face paint and the song. Yeah. So yeah, it's it, um, it's probably I think the best part of the film but what did you guys have for this one the, the other one that i had just because i think it's sort of one of the m- maybe the more memorable sequences and it, it might have been in the trailer or something i'm not sure but um very early on the starbucks scene with the the, the different cup, the cup sizes <laughs> uh i think it's just a yeah just a very memorable uh piece of improvisation and, and comedy it's yeah. very paul rudd isn't it yeah it, it, and it's almost like beat for beat like in 40 year old virgin when he comes in and he's like railing against his boss and he's filming like his butt crack with the camera he's just like lost it after yep. getting dumped or whatever and it's yep. it's really the same kind of idea and uh, and that you could also say the same of his like meltdown in front of the school yep when mm. they're doing the energy drink presentation and he's telling the kids that they're never gonna like 
amount to anything basically like that's uh that's a pretty pretty he, funny scene. he's definitely good at at being pissed off like that and melting down i think taken to its true extreme back in wet hot american summer when he's uh i can't remember exactly what it is he's told to do something and he's just sort of flailing around like a, a an upset yeah. upset teenager uh i feel like it's all it all it all leads back to to that performance stems um, from there so the two things that i all oh, You've already hit the two things that I had, so I'll go for my third place, mm-hmm. uh, which was the dinner scene, where uh, yeah. you know, all he's sitting there, he's looking dejected because his parents are, are sort of, you know, putting him down, and he just and Paul Rudd just goes absolutely <laughs> ape <laughs> then, yeah, you know, and I, and you can see that's that's where his character started turning mm. and started actually, mm-hmm. you know, really. Uh, almost falling for for augie as as a friend you know it was no longer about the hours it was now about True. the fact that this kid needs needs a, a role model yeah, yeah no, that's a really good point it's 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 where the movie transitions i guess in that apatow kind of style from haha to oh there's actually something here you know there's actually a heart heart yeah. behind this yeah. and, it, and it helps with him playing off Ken Marino uh, and and <laughs> Kerry Kenny because they're just they're they're fantastic as that sort of awkwardly just terrible person yeah. in that moment you know they just play that so well. Ken Marino is like the <laughs> ultimate like arrogant kind of yeah yeah yeah. What is uh, Eastbound and Down like? I don't know <laughs> if you've seen that series, but man, that is I haven't, I haven't watched it all. It, but I've it's watched it's a so good episodes here and there. Yeah. Um, okay, so what holds up the best? So I was going to say Paul Rudd being cast in this movie. He's obviously become much bigger star since since then. So that holds up really well. Um, but as you were <clears throat> talking about before, Trevor, like the the way that nerd culture is kind of celebrated here without being the object or the butt of the joke. Mm. I mean, it yep. is for a, for a chunk of the movie, and Augie is um, certainly seen as kind of a social outcast but as you you know and that might also be the case in real life but then as you like scratch beneath the surface you can see this is his community he's got friends here he's happy and that's better than you know being quote unquote normal and being a jerk like he's but it also works on the other side as well like ronnie's character was you know being really obnoxious and and swearing all the time and all this sort of stuff and it was just a defense mechanism on the fact that there'd been some abandonment and there was abandonment issues there and mm-hmm. and to see that sort of stuff being brought to light in like a two thousands movie when, you know, really it wouldn't be talked about in the mainstream until well after this movie about, you know, not only mental health issues, but you know, just even talking about your feelings and that sort of stuff is just at this mm-hmm. at this stage of the world it's not typical that you'd see men or 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 boys yeah um, sure. you know asked us to talk about this sort of stuff so that again i think is a, is a fantastic thing within this film you know what i liked as well is around the role-playing stuff he i don't think it ever really showed him he was never ashamed of liking it like he very much 
he realized that it made it, yeah. him an outcast because of everyone else's opinions about it. But you know, whenever Paul Rudd would would put someone down, or he say like, "Oh, I like like I like these people." Yeah, uh, you know, it's, it's, yeah. yeah there's like uh, her I don't like, uh, <laughs> but uh, and it just there was sort of that self awareness around it, but not an apology. He wasn't apologetic for it in in any way. Uh, you know, when, when he's making the the patch for for Paul Rudd's character, mm-hmm. um, and Paul Rudd sort of goes like, "Oh, well, now I have to do it," and and. And all he says, like, yeah, that was kind of my plan. You know, he sort of, he knows, he, he knows he's sort of manipulating him in a way. Uh, but yeah, just as you said, it's his community. It's, it's, it's what he enjoys and he never apologizes for it. Mm. And you kind of get that from like his parents. They're like ashamed of it or they, you know, they, 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 they're almost like trying to be nice about it or trying not to be mean, but they can't help being yeah. like, passive aggressively rude about it <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> which is hilarious but also uh it, it's um it's it's great to see like paul rudd's character stick up for him and say that he's a good kid and he'd be proud to have someone like that as his, as his son and i thought that was all um probably probably ahead of its time as far as like normalizing nerd culture in the in a mainstream sense without Definitely going into like big bang territory as i call it and just <laughs> lampooning it in that way and mm-hmm. having like the cool guys take part in it and actually have a lot of fun it's it's similar to like what you would have seen in on like community where they do like a dd episode and everyone gets really into it yeah um so yeah i thought that was really cool and and also like within that group of nerds you still have like the clicks and stuff. You still yeah, have yeah. like the the jerks and the mean guys, and it, it, it's not just um, like there's still a pecking order. I like. I think it was actually fairly well done, not just ahead of its time, but just really well done. Mm-hmm. That whole that whole thing, and then Joe Latrulio in there with his character, just so good. Like people taking it way too seriously. I'm sure that's a real thing. I've never been to one of these events before, but we all know people that would probably get into it like that yeah i was just gonna say like i for what holds up the best of me i i literally i pretty much just put just the performances in general like uh, it's just what makes this so much is just everyone like you said just sort of committing to it but you can tell that they're having fun with it and yeah like specifically paul rudd jane lynch um oh. ken jong and, and joe latrulio <laughs> were the, the four that i kind of really highlighted in their roles because they just they just have so much fun with it and, and it wavers right on the edge of of sort of an unbelievable character with sort of how over the top it is but it just works in the context of the film so well um jane lynch with her with her bagel dog is oh my it's God. probably actually another one i should have put up in in iconic scenes yeah. particularly the after the credits bit with ken marino because yeah it just makes me crack up every time just their reactions to it it's so good if you know what's great about that there's no dialogue it's just them looking at each other and yep. him just like poking the poking hot dog. it back in and they have sort of, they have a different reaction to it every single time and, it, and they do it so many times that would have been so hard to film like and I, I'm sure that was an improvised scene, yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was probably guys. improvised early on, and then they just brought it back, yeah, you know, to see what what you know maybe a Ken Marino or someone else like Jane Lynch probably any scene that she was in after after 
yeah, as she, she first did it, she probably like, oh, I guess I'm doing this again laugh. to see what you, yeah. what you do with it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I watched uh, I watched some of the bloopers as well. There's a there's one blooper reel out there, uh, and Joe Joe Latrulio Latrul- just coming out with his his patter on on in that character hail and well met you know rubber dub dub or whatever and just cracking paul rudd up and it just it all feeds yeah just feeds into that you know sense of how much fun they were having with it and and sort of trying to make each other laugh the the great thing about that hot dog scene and one of the reasons that i think it must have been improvised is that there's no reason from like a you know a script writing like a screenwriting perspective for those two to have a scene together yeah like they they Mm. really don't have much or anything to do with each other really especially when there's no one else in the scene except for them so i just love that that they squeeze that in you're almost now i'm thinking about it it's almost like at catering on the day that they were filming the the final thing jane lynch just went up to ken marina was doing that and then they brought it in earlier it could be, the, yeah, to have a script to, to have that callback call so back. they could actually have it in the movie. To her getting her bag um, dog on. <laughs> because obviously the the payoff is the Ken Marino and Jane Lynch, you know, just the way they're reacting to it. And it seems like it's one of those things that she saw it there and she's like, you know what this looks like? And Ken <laughs> just started pissing himself with laughter on, on screen. And that's why it's in earlier in the film. And that now makes se- makes more sense to me. But um, her yeah. her character I su- I suspect was just on these, insane. I suspect on these films that they just keep the cameras rolling as much as they can, and they just will let the let the actors go past the end of a scene or in the middle of you know when when they come up with something and just cut it all together. Uh, yep. I mean, I know I don't know if if, if David Wayne is is like that or not, but I know that the Apatow films. You know yeah. that he, that they, they come into it yeah. almost just with a skeleton of the story or the script there, and and let the characters kind of improvise, let the actors improvise uh, a lot of it. So um, yeah, and and I love what that ends up with in these sorts of movies. Did you have something else, Trev? I couldn't help but laughing so much at "Love Take Me Down to the Streets." because that that hold that holds up so well and if you don't know the story behind it um i think it was just just an improvised thing that um that ad mills came up with or ad miles sorry uh came up with saying that you know it was a wing song and it turns out that it's not a wing song it was written the song was written by ad miles and and one of the other guys and they got a like Paul McCartney, um, sound alike, sound alike yeah. to yeah. actually record it as as if it was a real wing song, and it's just one of the funniest things when when you finally work out that because you hear it at the end in in the end credits, and you're just like, oh, it is it is actually a song, <laughs> and so you you just don't you don't think about it anymore until you realise that's just a meta joke that's been yeah. going through the, the entire film. Definitely a lot of layers <laughs> to that joke, uh, which which mm. makes it. Yeah, just amazing. <laughs> the Love campfire at the two of the streets. <laughs> when they go to the when they go down to the damn campfire, and it's like, oh, do you know? Do you have, know any wings? And they straight and away start playing the song. song. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. So, good. so yes, that holds up the best. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, what holds up the worst? Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna say the the scene, uh. 
where they lose it with uh, Louis C.K. and the and the um, tow truck driver because there's a lot of homophobic yeah. slurs just thrown around everywhere, and that yeah that felt jarring for the rest of the film. That was my that was my first thing as well. Uh, you know, not not only it being Louis C.K. who obviously has since uh, you know run into into trouble with being particularly problematic, but uh, yeah, he drops the F slur and uh, and there's just general. Just the general sort of uh, aggression there, yeah, doesn't doesn't hold up, I don't think. And actually, really, the way certain parts of the start goes, like you don't kind of like these characters at all because it's it's very crass at the start mm. compared to the rest of the film. Um, like you know, <laughs> Sean William Scott comes out and he's straight away a stiffly character. And then they've got the got, you know the the green nuclear piss, and it's like it can't. It's not the same film that you end up watching. It kind of feels disconnected from everything else. Even though yes, they're setting up their characters that way, but it's like it feels as as though that was written by someone else, and then the rest of the film. Yeah, that's interesting. I think it's almost necessary for it to be there so you can have obviously the turnaround in there. Uh, yeah in their behaviors but i agree that it takes a bit to warm up to the like there's not much there to like up until you know later and and maybe it's just about the tone of the film as well that it takes a little bit to sort of get into that tone of the film uh and so it can be a little bit jarring to just to see that immediately yeah 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 that makes sense but but it definitely crescendos at that at that tow truck scene that was that was at the point that I'm like what else happens in this film I can't I can't really remember <laughs> I hope that it's not like this all the way through because you know straight away that it was so jarring like yeah, yeah. The, the other F-bomb is like it's got no no place at all yeah. these days yeah there was some homophobic mindsets or attitudes or comments kind of all through the movie um Especially from like Ken Marino's character mm. about mm. about um, Augie. and that that I think some of that was kind of okay because he's like meant to be completely out of touch and a jerk, so it kind of adds a bit of depth to that character as far as being someone that we're not supposed that would to have that yeah like yeah, yeah and who would who would have those outdated views and not realize that they're saying something inappropriate but yeah it's certainly in that opening scene that you just referred to is that's when probably the the worst part of it's happening yeah. but there's also some there's also some sort of casual homophobia coming from like school kids during that sequence as well leading up to it it re- it's really in that beginning yeah, yeah. as trevor said that it's the most jarring whereas i agree with ken marino stuff it definitely didn't feel as as jarring there because of the character work that that it was yep. sort of leading to, they they'd almost earned that. At that point, you knew exactly, you know, our our main characters are on a on a journey to better themselves, and you see this this father who's just so out of touch and almost where they were at the start of the film, 
and you yeah. kind of hope, oh God, I hope this hope this guy well, just and, and gets his due. Or and there's nothing there. The film there's nothing there in the film telling you yes, you should behave this way. Whereas with it sort of just being casually dropped earlier on as just something you say to someone when you're like when you want to be mean to them or whatever. Like mm. that's just very different. Yeah, it is. From yeah. A, yeah, sure. So that kind of leads us into who would be most offended. Is there any other? Like, um, I mean, the only other thing, uh, and this is, this is difficult to get away from, particularly in, in comedies, but obviously a lot of just objectification of women, yeah. uh, a lot of the humor yes. comes from that. And look, I, I don't think it's the worst in this film. Uh, the women often have their own, like they get their own back sort of thing. And it's not entirely at their expense. Uh, but you know, particularly that Ronnie is 10 years old and obsessed mm. with breasts felt a little young. Like that just feels, I think even yeah. at the time that felt a little young for his character to be the one at that yeah. age, Espe- really especially because after breasts, my son is about to turn nine on Thursday. And I'm like, he's nowhere near that sort yeah. of maturity yet. Like to even be thinking about that yet. So it's like, it, that seems a bit too young. Um, one thing that I was sort of glad they did, because I, I couldn't remember what was happening in the scene, but when, you know, Sean William Scott and the and, and um, the female character at at the camp, uh, when they took the ambient, and mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, God, where's this going to go when she starts falling asleep? Like, I couldn't remember right. how far they went, but then the fact that he left and then passed out was, was like, oh, God, thank God. Thank God it wasn't a... It like wasn't a, a breach of consent sort of situation. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Because yep. I started thinking, oh, God, this, this could go in so many bad ways. And then uh, what didn't hold up well after that was the fact that, you know, Ronnie then saw... You know, saw her naked and asleep. A, a, yeah, a typical eighties, you know, gratuitous breast shot. Like, yeah. and I was like, oh, did you really have to do that now? Like, still typical in the two thousands as well. Yeah, actually. all the way. But it feels like it's that's that's a holdover from the eighties through the nineties into yeah. the two thousands. Like, yeah, the the sort of raunchy, raunchy comedies that were not shy about uh, topless women. Mm. I do feel like it's it's turned a little bit, and these days you're probably more likely to see a penis than than breasts, like in a gratuitous way. You, you yeah. can Often. really thank Kevin Smith of the, <laughs> with the film, <laughs> Zach and Mary make a porno coming soon to Comedy Rewind if, if John <laughs> lets us come back on. <laughs> we'll see how this goes. We've yeah. still got a few minutes to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I've definitely noticed that in the in doing this podcast when yeah it is it's so out of place to in, in certainly in, in some films more than others where it's just like oh and then she took her top off and it's like mm-hmm. why did that happen and the answer is clearly so that the boys will go to school and say you have to go and see this movie because <laughs> <Exactly. laughs> this chick takes her top off um yeah anyway um and that will take us into it does role models pass the internet relevancy test I just said no. Like, I don't no. recall seeing anything from here. No. I looked for Bagel Dog to- and I couldn't. <laughs> oh, yeah. That would be the main gifable kind of moment. It should I would be. Think, but- we should uh, change I did that. Ty- I did type in King at some stage and you do actually see Ken Yong stand up. 
Yeah, I, okay. I mean, I just typed and, role models and, and into... I had, to, I had to scroll down yeah. for that. Like, just typing role right. models into Giphy, you get a few, but it's not something that I've ever seen used no. particularly. Um, I would I would like one of Jane Lynch doing a little backward walk though actually that yeah. <laughs> could be a good little reaction gif. How would modern smartphones and social media change this movie? I struggled with this one because it's just doesn't seem super relevant, I guess. Did the, you guys think of anything? The only thing I had is that it's it's probably more likely these days that Ronnie might have had a cell phone, particularly mm. going off on his own. And so you know, if he got lost, when he got lost at the party, he might have just texted his mom or texted um, Sean William Scott's character rather than having to walk all the way home. True. Yeah. Um, the one that I sort of saw was the fact that Augie's parents wouldn't have made it to the final scene because he, um, you know, Augie would have had it on his phone, not on not on a PC <laughs> up on the screen, so they wouldn't have they wouldn't have known that Battle Royale was today. They they. Maybe we'll try calling. It was def- again, that's like. definitely it's definitely a very plot-driven thing for people to just leave very relevant tabs open on their computer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess it could have it, it could have been replaced with like they check his Instagram page or something, yeah. and he's put up a photo. <laughs> they, or, yeah. Track my iPhone. Oh, he's, yeah. he's at the oh. park. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's quite a handy uh, plot device these days. Track my iPhone. Yeah. I've just seen that <laughs> on. Um, Lock and Key on Netflix. They yes. use that quite a bit. Yeah. Haven't stuff. seen the second season yet. I just finished it today. Yeah. It's good. Oh, it's good stuff. It's good. Yeah. It's good. Nice. Okay. Uh, could you make role models today? What would the 2021 version be? I think you could make this in any decade. It's a pretty timeless story. Um, it's great. It's really a great concept. Not that it's anything like amazingly original, but to, um, to down and out kind of going nowhere Slackers. no mm. hopers forced to yeah. mentor kids it's 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 the kind of movie you could see being pitched basically that way you know like what happens when two no, yeah two bums have to <laughs> suddenly mentor children like what what comedy ensues and that's really um what it is so i think that yeah you could certainly make it today and it would be even more i guess it would use social media a lot more and uh i think that it would work and even with uh even with paul rudd in the role still <laughs> yeah he could still do it. yeah he still looks the same he looks even younger now so yeah. <laughs> yeah my thought when i i had a bit of a think about this and the main thing was i think role playing in general is definitely more acceptable and mainstream these days yeah uh but I think LARPing is probably still niche enough that it could be, you know, the activity that someone is doing that's making them an outcast uh, if you were to make it today. Uh, I have a feeling that when they wrote the script, it's like, how can we make D&D, you know, epic and all this sort of stuff? And I was like, well, why don't we just go the live action sort of stuff instead? Because, you know, that's sort of like... The live version, it's more dramatic, as it were, yeah. mm. and and looks better on screen than people rolling dice and go, yeah. <laughs> Even though today, now that you've got Stranger Things, maybe you you get Wizards of the Coast trying to come in and going, make Dungeons and Dragons like have an epic thing of you know these people walking into like a 
<laughs> a hole and it's like roll down some dice and it's like natural 20 yeah <laughs> but i i think that's the only thing that you'd have like some real product placement these days that you'd actually get mm. companies trying to come in and and you know sell their stuff because it seems to be happening a lot more now than yeah. it did back then if i was pitching this today i think with the trends lately uh i'd pitch it as a bit of a gender swap, I'd make the two main characters women. Uh, mm-hmm. I feel like that could uh, shift things up a bit. You sort of it's 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 not quite those same stereotypes of like the 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 you know the the jock hot jock kind of who's getting women all the time and and the oh, awkward yeah. guy. But I feel like um, if you cast. Kate McKinnon in Sean William Scott's role and Melissa McCarthy in uh, Paul Rudd's role, uh, see, bringing I, them back I'd, from the Ghost the Ghostbusters cast. And I reckon they. Can I'd actually say yes, Kate McKinnon, mm. but I'd bring in a hand Anne Hathaway. Okay, yeah. Uh, have have that sort of straight, you know, the the straight person to go along with, um, with the wackier kind of uh, with with the wackier yeah. because I mean, yes, Paul Rudd is is really funny. Or you. Um, and in the Elizabeth Banks role, you'd always have to have, you know, your Chris Hemsworth or or something. <laughs> if we're really going lines. for the Ghostbusters 2016 cast. Or no, or no, you just go with Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd in the Elizabeth <laughs> Banks role. Like <laughs> Sure, why not? I was thinking Kristen Wig, but you know, any of the people yeah. we've mentioned would work, yeah. I think. Yeah. Very um you had to watch it. Who who would play the kids? <laughs> oh, this, picking kids is I don't see. I never. I never. I don't know yeah. any. See, young so I, I probably go Chloe Grace Moretz. She's as, but she's like twenty five. <laughs> yeah, but as, as like the old as I think Christopher Mintz Min- yeah, was about twenty five at this stage, and then I mean, for the younger yeah. one, I'd go uh, McKenna Grace from the new Ghostbusters Afterlife, but she was also uh, one of the kids in um, Haunting of Hill House, and mm. uh, she played the young. Um, the young uh, Carol Danvers in uh, Captain Marvel, like yes, I think yeah. I know who you're talking about. Yeah, I I think those two characters would be. There you go. Good. Studios pick it up. There. It's time for a re- role models reboot <laughs> already. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I, I guess the the thing with um with Christopher Mintz Plus is we'd we'd only seen him play a high schooler up to that point, so it was a lot yeah. easier to buy it. Which is yep. one of the issues you run into, like once you've played like a twenty-five-year-old, it's hard to go back yeah. to playing a high schooler. And it, it's even if people are older, like look at um, Tom Holland; he's twenty-five, but when he's dressed up as Nathan Drake, it's like, why is Nathan Drake sixteen? Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. we just know him. And, and why isn't Nathan Fillion Peter playing? Park. Yeah, <laughs> yes. well, it's because he's like fifty years old. <laughs> Who cares? Yeah, I, I, I want him playing that character because yeah. he was that's he the role play, he was built to play. He can play 30. <laughs> Have you seen him in The Rookie? <laughs> I've seen him in Con Con Man. Have you guys watched that? Yes. Alan mm. Tudyk's web series, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I watched it on, I think it, it's on, on Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime. Yeah. yeah, I watched yeah. it recently too. All right. Um, we're going to go over to the Steve Buscemi Spark Plug Award. Steve Buscemi. A real spark plug. This is a tough one because mm. there's so many... There's so, so many, many great good roles. supporting roles. Yeah. Sometimes it's really hard, but this is hard because there's so many. Um, 
the nominees, Jane Lynch, Ken Marino, Ken Jong, Joe LaTrulio, even A.D. Miles. A.D. Um, Miles as Martin Gary. Is, like, yeah. um, it's, it's, he was really good. He's, he's fantastic. <laughs> I don't even know who he is, but every time he's in this movie, he's hilarious. So, yeah, oh, I don't know. It's a tough one. I, I, I think I've got to give it to Jane Lynch. You um, might have to vote on this one. Mm. I was Jane Lynch is is always amazing. So I, was I mean, she was she was the linchpin in this. <laughs> <laughs> I Sophia, was leaning towards Jayla Trulio just because he kind of stole the scene whenever yep. he came in with his ridiculous over the top <laughs> character. Um, but then you mentioned eighty miles, so I am torn. Uh, Pick one because but, he had. But some did, did you notice all the all the other people in the background that are like? Ooh, Yorma Tacone. He he's from uh, Lonely Island. The you know, he's guy, one, of the, yeah. one of the Lonely Island guys. And then uh, I'm seeing Keegan Michael Key in the background. Mm. I'm like, he's got one speaking role, but it's like he's he's about to go big with Key and Peele like, yeah. in the next year or so. And it's like all these people that you know you expected to almost have a bigger role. That um, but it was like when I think of Steve Buscemi, I think. Supporting character got to be funny, got to sort of steal scenes. That comes back to Jane Lynch. That's Jane Lynch stole everything that she was in. Yeah, all right, you've you've sold me. I'm going to agree with Trevor. I mean, when she when she said, "You know what I had for breakfast? Cocaine." (laughs) Cocaine. (laughs) (laughs) Then I I was going out for lunch, and what did I have? Cocaine. And then Paul Rudd obviously comes in with, yeah. with, and for dinner, I guess you had cocaine as well. <laughs> but no, she, um, and don't be a BSA. Just, yeah, backwards walking. <laughs> I, I think I have to agree. Like, she was the first name of, of all those nominees that I wrote down. So that's subconsciously me saying that it's her. It's got to be her. Yeah. She's in it more than the others, probably. Um, but I won't hold that against her. She's definitely. A spark plug every time she shows yep. up and she's just she it's it's basically the same role that she had in the 40 year old virgin um <laughs> as the boss of except that electronic better. store but yeah it, except it's a better character more, more to play I mean, with you the the first second that she uh that she appeared on the screen and she was you know um doing doing the advert for sturdy wings and all this sort of stuff mm-hmm. like just her story about you know <laughs> Being like addicted to drugs, alcohol, and and you know you're seeing all this stuff, and it's like, how did they get footage of this? Did she did she literally <laughs> dress up? And I'm just thinking, it's a reenactment. Okay, she, <laughs> it's a reenactment. Dramatic that she re-enactment. did like going through her worst times. Yeah, I'm like, I started pissing myself with laughter. I'm thinking, she's got to win the spark plug. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and there's also the line where she's like. On a, talking about her mother and she's like on account of her being a whore and I was like <laughs> the wording for that line is so makes it so much funnier than what she's actually saying I think she's the only yeah. one who could sell it yeah yeah it's so funny okay congratulations Jane Lynch you are the winner of uh, the Steve Buscemi Sparkplug Award and uh, the last question we have is it still a good movie Definitely, yes. yeah, yes. definitely. I pissed myself with laughter. And <laughs> Apparently, Paul Rudd literally wet himself 
in this, in this movie. It's, it's <laughs> no. one of the trivia notes on IMDb is that he peed his pants. Nice. So, it was probably with Joe Trulio coming up and yes, just improvising, yes, <laughs> improvising so, random <laughs> medieval I think terms. This, I think this movie is probably a little underrated. Like I came into it thinking that it was a probably like a seven out of ten, which you know in in terms of like you think about like a seven out of ten video game, and it's like yeah, like it's it's fine. There's nothing like terrible about it, but there's nothing like amazing about it at the same time. It, it's just it kind of does what you want it to do. You know, you watch the movie, you have a, f- a few good laughs, and that's it. And you kind of forget about it over time and it's kind of true like there's nothing in this movie that sets it apart from its peers but at the same time i think it's slightly better than what i've just said i Mm. think that there is especially like i said as you scratch the surface and think about what this movie's saying like yeah there is a bit more to this than just a b plus uh comedy what do you guys think yeah, I agree. I think it really comes down to the performances again so much. Like, just in every scene, uh, and again, he didn't win the Spark Plug Award, but AD Miles, <laughs> I feel like, like is sort of the epitome in that in a way, in that he's he's really just this side character, but every time he comes on, there's just something just Let slightly funny. Yeah, I, I don't know. And <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I think... <laughs> If you switched out the cast of this with any replacement level actor, it's not going to be exactly yeah. anywhere near as good as it is. Yeah, like, exactly. except if you remade, except if you re- remade it with all the females that we previously mentioned, <laughs> that's the only way that you could you could like get close to equally. <laughs> Hit us up, studios. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I agree. I mean, I had fond memories of it, uh, and it definitely holds up. Yeah. I actually went into it going, oh, okay, I guess I better watch this. <laughs> Within half an hour, I was pissing myself with laughter because uh, I, I got through the first 15 minutes. I'm like, okay, I know I've got to keep on pushing through this because, you know, I was sort of just working away in the background and doing some stuff. And then I ended up having to actually work back at work because I ended up spending this time sort of watching it going, okay, I guess... I'm really, I'm really hooked yeah. into this I, film. Right I literally now. have a message here uh, from Trevor. It just says, "I'm having the best afternoon <laughs> because he was in the middle of watching it." <laughs> That's great. What better way to spend the workday? Yeah. Well, right. I, I did have to pay for it later on by working till, <laughs> till like six thirty, seven o'clock. Sure. Well, dear listeners, of course, if you want to do us a solid, you can subscribe to this podcast, share it with your friends. You can also head over to shop8bit.net and pick up some of the delicious 8-bit merchandise we have over there, including the Comedy Rewind-inspired t-shirt with the VHS throwback design. Uh, if you want to really get into supporting us, you can head over to our Ko-fi page. It's ko-fi.com slash weare8bits. And that's where you can subscribe from as little as $1 a month. Pick yourself up some nice treats with your pledges including the 8-bit founders coin for a bit more cash you can get in on the 8-bit family portrait you can be uh immortalized as a star wars character of your choice i think there's still time to get in on that um but the easiest thing you can do if you don't want to cough up any cash you can hit us with those podcast ratings and reviews in your podcast service of choice but especially 
Apple Podcasts and Podchaser. Uh, and fellas, I want to give you a chance here. We didn't even talk about Bitstorm at the top, but you are the hosts of Bitstorm. I hope people know that by now. But what have you guys been working on and what can people expect in the coming weeks? Uh, yeah, well, we relatively recently hit 250 episodes and uh, still going strong. I don't think we've officially called this our season two, uh, but, uh, you know, we're, we're continuing every week to put out uh, randomized game designs, uh, basically. And, uh, yeah, we've just we've just gone through our uh, Halloween duology, uh, <laughs> where we where we did two weeks of of Halloween bookending where Halloween fell this this year. Nice, <laughs> yep. And some, we're, some great, that was, that some great, some great games uh, in that in that those two episodes as well. My particular favourite was uh, a, a, an old woman at a nursing home who makes friends with the Grim Reaper. Is uh, a, a VR experience, so. Uh, yeah, podchaser.com slash bitstorm and uh, give us a Check listen. Yeah, do it. And I'll be I'll be getting in on there in the coming weeks at some point. I'm sure yes. We're, we're trying to yes. line that up now, but that'll be good fun. Where can people find you on social medias? At Trev H. Scott on Twitter. And that's pretty much all I do. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't even post anything. I just, I like things. So if you if you like what I like. Then <laughs> yeah, I'm at Ben underscore Slinger and the, the podcast is at Pitstormcast. And uh, that's just where we post episode updates and the like. Very good. You can catch me at Jono himself. Dear listeners, thank you again for joining us on Comedy Rewind. Be kind. Be kind to you, Whispering Eye. Ha, 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 ha,